HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, Heritage Radio Network podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Samuel Adams, Brewing the American Dream. Hear stories from their inspiring entrepreneurs on Let's Talk About Food, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to The Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guests are Joey Wolfer and Roman Roth. We'll talk to Joey and Roman about, of course, rosé, Wolfer Estates, the other wines, and a lot more. We'll taste a bunch of wine, which is spread out in front of me for our weekly wine sipping during the show. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Wolfer Estate was the vision of a German-born businessman, Christian Wolfer. He purchased property in Sagaponic in the late 70s and later developed it into one of the great vineyards on Long Island in the world. Mark and Joey Wolfer, Christian's son and daughter, along with winemaker partner Roman Roth, now run the estate. Joey started a successful career in fashion and design before shifting her time to the winery. She's a restless mom, designer, horse lover, and the chief branding officer. German-born Roman Roth earned his wine degree at home before traveling to the U.S. and Australia. To broaden his wine knowledge, Roman joined Wolfer Estate in the early 90s as their first winemaker and continues to oversee all winemaking. Was that an accurate intro, guys? Beautiful. Nice. You're hired. So welcome to the Grape Nation, Joey. Welcome to the Grape Nation, Roman. Um, It's great to sit down with you guys. We are talking to Joey and Roman at Wolfer Estate. Um, Their uh, estate vineyard in Sagaponic on Long Island 
what what's the town we're closest to? Bridgehampton, Bridgehampton. Southland. Okay, so that's where the we are. The heart of the Hamptons. Yeah, literally the heart of the Hamptons um, in this beautiful property. All right, so to give our listeners a little context of who you are and where you came from, let's talk about your journey in life and wine. Um, Roman, let's start with you. Take me not from kindergarten, but take me from the point where you started working in wine and how you got your ass over to the U.S. Well, it's been obviously from Germany with my accent, it's clear. Is that uh, a German accent? I was, <laughs> you were from I was very fortunate to grow up in a wine family. My father was a winemaker and a barrel maker, a cooper. Then when coopering became unfashionable they started a wine merchant business so i grew up with the bottle they had a passion and that's why i went into the wine business or you know become a winemaker because they had this reverie that's this love for great wines and there were many great tastings and when you see that i always felt something is this revered and this loved it must be cool to make that so on your own you wanted to go into it the yes. family didn't say, no, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. My it. father wanted to become a banker. But <laughs> okay. I always say you can't sing in a cubicle, but you can sing in a wine cellar. So that's right. my other hobby. Anyway, got me into winemaking. I did an apprenticeship. I started, you know, the, the very practical terms in Germany where you, your machine, the whole practical aspect is so crucial there. And then later traveled to Australia that really broadened my horizon, worked at Rosemount Estate, which was fantastic Why? with Philip Shaw. There's so many places to go. How does Australia, you know, pop up for a German winemaker? Well, by that stage, I had met uh, a young girl, a young lady, my, my, <laughs> my now wife, Dushi, and that, of course, had a big pull, but wine always was the, <laughs> the other side. And so I certainly you know, made sure I worked the harvest in '88. In 86, I traveled to America and worked at, at Sainsbury Estate in California. And again, just to get away from Riesling and see other things, again, you have to have experiences from different countries. You can, I mean, already your grandfather will tell you in German wineries with a lot of tradition, oh, we already, you know, we already know how to do this. What are you whippersnapper going to tell me? But having different experiences and different, different styles, you come home with a whole different, you know, understanding of winemaking and the philosophy of winemaking. Did you come to the States, stay here, or you went back and came back? No. Well, I went back to Germany yes. because to finish my master's degree in enology, you had to have five journey years. And at that stage, I had only two and a half. So I had to go back. I worked for the winery in Heidelberg, Wiesloch, it's called, a great winery, and really learned a lot there. And then I finished did my master's degree and was on the way to Australia, and there was a job offer in New York by Christian Wolfer, Joey's father. How did and you find out about it? One of the teachers walked around the oh, classrooms. Okay. So like a word of mouth. Word, well, they, yeah, they were looking. Or, yeah. There was a, a job posting, basically, and I just thought I'd practice my interview skills in English a bit so that when I go to Australia, <laughs> I have a better rhetoric about winemaking. And, you, again, most wine of Australia was sold in England and in America, it's good to know what in America is needed. And, well, I called up, Christian answered the phone after the secretary, and I didn't practice any English. He was German from the from Hamburg, from the north of Germany when he was young, left Germany. And we somehow hit it off. Of course, he told me the, <laughs> the famous story now that Manhattan is half an hour away from the Hamptons. And that sounded great. My wife liked that idea. <laughs> 
And well, here we are now, 30 years later. I came, it was a, a huge. I think Great Neck is a half an hour. From I was going to say, we should clarify that it's yeah. basically two and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was virgin territory. Yeah. There were no wines made. There were 12, I think 13 wineries on Long Island at the time. So and was there convincing on his part? Was he kind of aloof, like, I got this, come and join me? Or was, I wouldn't use the word desperation, but was he like, you know, I need a guy like you or do this? I mean, what was the Well, it was a side business. He was a venture capitalist. He had, you know, business, big business things going on. And this was his hobby. This was his home. His It was his surrounding, his, his comfort zone, whatever <laughs> you call it. And it was same for the kids who grew up on the farm here. This was a, a, a it was the family estate, and the compound. And so it was a from the heart. It was his own money. It wasn't investors' money. That's all appealing to you, right? So there was it was the real deal, and he was ambitious. And you, you know, you don't want some sleeping pill or something as a as a boss. You want somebody who wants to achieve great things and gives you the reins to do that. And supports you, sometimes challenges you. He was certainly so. Had, he uh, obviously hires you. That was hired. what, like ninety three. Yeah, and then we started off very with you know, four employees in a metal barn. All right, so we're going to come back and talk about that. <laughs> so next, that gets exactly. us to getting you here. We'll talk about you know when you're here and what happens. Um, Joey, you're one of those people that grew up around you know a very sort of magnetic dad and all of that, but it seemed like your interests were not focused on the winery. Tell me about that time, about how old you were, the transition, and why. I mean, you know, Roman grew up around wine. So did you. Yeah. I mean, so that connection is there. Absolutely. I mean, I grew up, these were potato fields. And then, you know, I watched my dad and, and my mom help kind of make this vision come true. And everybody thought he was crazy. And that's the kind of the thing that is so incredible, was so incredible about my dad. He had an incredible vision. And obviously you see that now, like we're in the middle of all these homes and we have this 150 acres of like farmland and vines and this beautiful building. Um, so I, I did grow up like that, but I was, you know, a teenager and then in my twenties and sort of wanted to follow my own dreams. And, and they encouraged me, my parents to be entrepreneurial. You know, again, it wasn't a business that was very successful even right. at that point. So it's not them what it is it, now. No. Right. So it was like, go and pursue your own dream, be your own boss, make your own line. You know, he was always wanted me to do my own thing, but I also wanted a corporate experience. So I had a corporate experience and I was in the fashion world. And, and then I started my own business in a fashion truck when my dad died. Um, and so was, design, yeah, manufacture your own It was, it was all, in, all sold out of a truck. And so I sort of have his uh, risk-taking slash stubbornness <laughs> slash drive. Where was that? Was that out here? It was you started it out here? here and then I brought it to the city and traveled all over the world with it. Um, it gave me a lot of um, toughness. Um, starting my own business has was definitely something that I don't think I could do it now, but I was young and yeah. determined. Um, and, but then, you know, the, it took a couple of years to settle the estate when he passed away in 2008. And in that time I had some time. So wait, stop there for a second. Don't mean to interrupt. 2008, he passes away. Yep. The whole, everything changes. Well, the economy was in also way, exploding I mean, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. And one nice thing is Roman's there. Of course. You know, so there's a continuity. Where are you at? Are you? I was 26. And. Not really thinking about no. I was going living in, in New York City. So talk to me about that transition because you're here now. So I was living in New York City. I had just met my 
now husband. So I was like, my biggest focus was like, where am I going out tonight? You know, what are we doing tomorrow? <laughs> like that kind of thing. And this happens and, you know, I'm forced to sort of decide my destiny. Like, do I want to pass this legacy on down to my children? I am first generation American. My mom's English, you know? So I thought, you know, I thought about it and a co- couple years went by in that time that we were transitioning and it was a James Beard event and Mark made a speech and Roman made a speech and I was very, very upset and I didn't know why. And my husband and my mother came to me that morning and they said, we, we want to talk to you. We think you don't want to sell. We think you want to stay involved and we think it's important to you and we don't want you to make regret your decision. When you said you were upset, what were you upset about? I don't know. About? I just was, ups- I was upset you were about- uneasy or not sure? Uneasy and unsure about my decision. Like it could go either way. It could go you either way. You made your mind up. I think I had thought I made my mind right. up, but because I was young and at that right. time it took, and and my my mom and my husband, you know, sort of said to me, we don't think you want to, we think you should talk to your brother. And I said it to my brother and he said, without any hesitation, nothing would make me happier than being your partner. That meant a lot to you? It meant a lot to me. You know, we didn't, we didn't grow up together because right. we we're Half different brother, in age. Right? Yeah. And difference in age and difference mm-hmm. in parents. But, you know, having him say that, and I knew he meant <laughs> it, um, was really important. And so in that time, you know, we, we built a bond and a, and a relationship and, and now obviously a successful partnership. And, and, and in that time, my husband also started, like our manager at the time thought we were not going to be involved in the business. Then we wanted, Mark and I were very much going to be involved in the business. And so he resigned and there was this position of general manager open. And my, my husband, Max came to us and said, guys, there's no way for us to learn the business than doing the business. Like me getting involved and me running this. I've been a consultant. I can do this. What year was that? This is 2013. 2013. 12, yeah. 13. Yeah. So still doing it, right? Yeah. He's so the, boss. the the leadership is you, Roman, your brother, and uh, Max, your husband. Yeah. And and he's really our boss. I'm <laughs> just joking. But he's he, he he's the glue, you know, he's an incredible CEO. Is he in the building? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I won't say screw him. <laughs> we'll, we'll be defined. We love him. He's ever he's the He's the um, calm in the he's storm. He's the calm too. in the storm. Yeah. <laughs> so this all happens 2013, and you quickly make the decision to get on board. Yeah. All right. So now, is Max on board then? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah, we're all on so board. So you have to decide what you have and where you want to take it. What was your assessment of what you had? I mean, you had this great thing, but were there things you wanted to do? Well, there was a, a great foundation, the quality that we made $100 Merlot. We made already a, quite a successful line of the estate selection rosé, our entry-level rosé, the gold label. And that became super popular. But at that stage, there was this, from 2007 on, there was this absolute rally, like a race, a tsunami of of, of, of putting rosé on the map in America, basically. And where, you know, we, so we did a big part of that. So that was all in place. We had our white horse series, our high-end line. We had the entry-level line. But there were things, certain things where, like, we made an apple wine and it wasn't cool. It was, you know, we, we, we talked, but insiders became fashionable. And 
So that was one of the first big things that changed once Joey. So you Joey, were ahead of the yeah. curve on a bunch of things. We we the were stuff, literally sitting in our my apartment. I love this story because everybody thinks you have this boardroom, you know. We're <laughs> sitting in my apartment. I don't know why we were all in the city, but we were all in the city. And my friend was like staying and she's like, you guys, you know, like, I don't know why she was sitting. She was like, you guys should do a cider. She was living in London. Roman's like, well, we do apple wine. It's a good idea. Let's just do cider. We're like, okay, let's do cider. And that was sort of the precipice for the finding this designer who has been a huge part of our success as well. You mean the look, the, look, of the, the yeah. labels mm-hmm. and logos yeah. and all I that mean, stuff? I mean, you know, Max went through his Is the summer job. in the bottle that person's oh, yeah, does, idea? Yeah, yeah. The, oh, no, no, no. The idea came. Not the, the idea. No. The, the artwork? The, yes. the artwork, yeah. yes. Oh, incredible. What about the Finca stuff? Everything. All of them. He he's, he's our everything. designer. Though. So he's pretty tied into your he's image our family. and all he came, he came to my birth. I mean, he is like a very important part of our lives. Yeah. So go back to my question. So the four of you are there. You're implying that, you know, the foundation is in place. The product's there. There are some ideas floating around. The wines are good. What's like the immediate stuff that you have to do? I mean, what, what, what is it? Well, there was like gro- a, growth. It needed were every you year in the black growth. or red? We were in the black by then. Okay. A little bit though. Like, yeah, and it I mean, was your like, dad, it was right. And I had, I was but like, wasn't that an objective of yours? Yes, this is a business. And Max kind of jumped in. Well, we just didn't, you know, we don't, we were like, we needed to, we needed it to be successful. It needed to be a business. And I said that from the start. That was the first thing I said is that this can't be run like it is, has been. Like, it has to be. A proper business where we and, and we were already on track for that, you know. Dad had finally hired a CFO. You know, he was, but we had to make sure that we were we continued this growth. There was never this incentive like we're going to be huge. Like that wasn't the thought. We're going to make great wines. We're going to grow. But it was never. We sat down and said our vision is in ten years we're going to be selling right. three hundred thousand cases. Like that was not our plan. That's not. It was organic. Our growth has always been organic. What's funny is a lot of those things came true. Of course, but you that's know, organic growth. case volume, you know, rosé positioning and all that. Imaging. It was big efforts. I mean, it Huge. takes capital yeah, to no, grow. I'm not. No, I'm, no, but it yeah. was. It was a. Uh, there was yeah. this passion and this desire yeah. and. Uh, Drive was there, and and the skill of everybody who was involved from the yeah. vineyard guys, vineyard manager Richie Pisacano, yeah, two hour owners. Richie's still here. Richie oh is still gosh, here. He's here since nineteen two thousand six. No, since nineteen ninety six. What am I talking? Nineteen ninety six. Not long after so, you came. Yeah. yeah so no, I, I think continuity is a big deal around here. Yeah. You know, for consistency. Um, I want to talk about the wines, and as we talk about the wines, we can continue to you know, weave in the history and, you know, all the stories. Um, you know, you guys, I mean, make dozens and dozens and dozens of wine. You know, three dozens <laughs> is like 36. You probably make that many wines. But the real star, you know, is rosé, and, you know, we don't have to be in denial about that. But before we talk about the rosé, um, I want to talk to you about the other wines. You know, it's an opportunity because you make those other wines and you take a lot of pride in them. Um, am I right in saying that initially when Long Islanders started making wine, it was like Chardonnay and Merlot? That was, you know, most of the varietals. Those were the two main varieties, a little bit of Cap Franc. There was sort of, I mean, right. have, every, people had a right. couple of varieties. So f- forget about everyone else for now. The expansion into varietals at Wolfer blew up. I mean, obviously, that was your doing, your interest. To make 36 wines, you're probably dealing with a couple dozen varietals. How does that play out? 
One thing we always had is consistency is the most important goal. That you know, I think everybody can make good wine in a good year, but at Wolfo we've made great wines in difficult years. And and having if you only make one rosé or one little lot, everything has to go into this wine and you're at the total mercy of that lot was fine. It's a good wine. If it's not a perfect year or something went wrong with that one acre, you make a bad wine. And so by make, having 40 acres or 50 acres of Merlot available and you're making three styles of rosé, now you can you know, downgrade. You Okay, in a bad year, we don't make our $100 Merlot or we don't make our white horse, as many of the white horse wines, but we use those very best grapes to make our varietals, which normally would make the $100 wine, we use that. Yeah, so, so we downgrade and be honest. And what is the saying? Fool me once, shame on right. me. Fool you twice, shame on you. It's a relationship building. It's not a one-time deal, the wine business. We want to be coming to the restaurants or to you in 30 years still, in, in not just one time selling a case of wine and never show up again. And so being honest to the quality and being flexible, that's, I always say I'm a flexible German. So, Saying like just because it worked, yeah. it worked for five years in that particular block. Yeah. Well, this year it's not exactly working. Then don't make a bad wine. Rather change your idea or, or pick it early to make a nice fresh rosé than trying to push the camel through the needle ear, which is never going to happen in a year when you had a bad a hurricane remnant or something. So, so quality all, was the key of all that. Right, which it should be. So, Joey, the the property is massive it's like 175 acres what is dedicated to vineyard plantings like 75 acres okay we have 50 acres here and then 26 acres on the north fork yeah so domestic you have the estate vineyards you contract or own the north fork we co- we have a, a vineyard a 26 acre vineyard on the north that, fork that you own no we have a long-term okay. lease and then we having basically we work with 400 acres worth with growers and partners and friends where we have long term the whole rosé wave could only happen by very quickly you couldn't right. plant vineyards fast enough right so you had to so find people when you talk about 55 60 acres let's talk about you know immediately around the property how is it planted is there like 3 four acres of Cobb Frank. I mean, because we have all these varietals and staying in the varietal thing. We have five varieties here on the farm. Basically, the main variety is Chardonnay. The oldest block from 88 was a 15-acre Chardonnay block. Then we have another Chardonnay block planted in 2000. 1990, excuse me. Then we have around 12, 12 acres Merlot. We have six and a half acres Cabernet Franc here, which is a great Cap Franc. We have a little bit of Cap Sauvignon. We have a little, well, we have uh, one and a half acres Pinot Noir and half an acre of Trebbiano and half an acre of Vignol. So it's basically six varieties. And we just planted the baby babies over there. Oh, yeah. So now we're already ripping out, like it's now 30 years, 33 years our vineyards. Yeah. So we, for the first time, we've taken six yeah. acres out and we're planting Trebbiano and Cabernet Franc. Is that because you want to change the varietal? Because like in Napa, you got to pull the vint- vines out just because they're spent or something. Well, in our cases, if you have 50 acres, if you pl- replant every year, 
you know, two acres, it takes you basically 25 years to replant the vineyard. So you have to start somewhere so you don't lose your whole capacity of growing, you know, at, in, at one shot or in, in big, big lumps. So you plant, you start planting, and wherever there's a block that's not as fertile or not as fruitful or not as desirable the variety, then we have, that's what we've taken out first now. So you mentioned Trebbiano, small plot. We opened a bottle of the Trebbiano. We're going to be drinking a bunch of wines during the interview. Um, just tell me about this wine. Why? What <laughs> possessed you to plant Trebbiano? Well, this is our. Some people have horse rescues, you know, uh, in place. We have a grape rescue. This was a vineyard on the North Hawk that was getting ripped out to be, become a polo field, and we had been buying all that those grapes for many years. And it was a beautiful vineyard, but we couldn't persuade the new owner, who had lots of money, to keep it going. So we cooked. We got the cuttings, we took the cuttings, we sent them to a nursery to, to become craft into vines. And we quickly had to say, well, let's find another field here. And I mean, luckily, there's a big horse farm. Yeah. Joey is, of course, an avid rider. So we, we managed to get a couple acres for the Trebbiano. And so anyway, so this is where Were they we, grafted on the island or you no, sent them? In upstate New York. Okay. There's a good nurseries up there. So that's where this this is our Trebbiano rescue, and I think now we have, we planted one and a half, another two acres now, three acres. Sorry, so we have three and a half acres coming up, and then we helped another vineyard on the North Fork to get so one and a half acres. So how many bottles of this do you make? We make around four hundred cases of this wine. So this is our seller series. Yep. So this is our this is our really special series that we sell here and in the wine club. Yep. Right. It. So it's not it's readily no. available. We, so no, if you it's come to here, keep you can it unique, it and, and, and right. you know that's why we make a lot of varieties too, because we have wine club, because we have people that come here. And so at the end of the show, I want to get uh, you know uh, websites and handles, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, for the wine Absolutely. club. At that point, we'll have gone through um, all the wines. We have almost three thousand wine club members, and we make these unique yeah. seller series for example really where excited. particular yeah. acres are highlighted the, the craftsmanship you the purity of the fruit you can taste how pure and elegant these wines are so something like this sells out or oh, every, every, all the time out. we can't yeah. yeah. 3000 well at, yeah. at the rate but we're going we'll be the biggest Trebbiano grower in, the, <laughs> in America soon Really? I think so. So we're planting more, and I think there's not that much Trebbiano planted in California. Um, what other Italian varietals are exciting you? Oh, I'm not focused on the, if it's Italian. I, I'm, no, know, I know, but it's, now it that we're Trebbiano, yes. I mean, a Tokai. We have a Tokai, which we, we work with, these, with different growers, and when I see it's perfect or when we have a chance to get the fruit that's yeah. per perfect, we jump at it. And so... It's been Tokai, this. We have make a beautiful Semillon, which nice. comes from our own vineyard, skin fermented. That's an amazing wine. It's not an orange wine. It is protected from That's oxidation. Like the hot thing, orange I know. Wine. But we protect it from orange wine. So it has the tannin structure of a red wine, but still fruity and elegant. So, it's, so we make yeah. many different. The, the Cellar Series is really things. exciting, too, because it's a way for Roman to also like celebrate these grapes, celebrate these varietals. Show them to our customer, and then it's not for everybody, right? It's not a it's not a summer bottle. It's a spe like special product. Yeah, that I mean the the club members can decide. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's they're probably inquisitive and want to see. And it you speaks know. to our quality, right? Because that's right. at the end of the day what we're all it, about is quality. It also speaks for how great Long Island is. It's the best growing region on the East all right, Coast. So that's a great segue for me because we're talking about the wines, and you know, at this point, people know Long Island's making wines, making good wines. I think one of the things they have no idea about is climate, soil, terroir. 
I mean, is it pretty similar throughout the island? Um, you, you know, what, what do we, let's talk climate first, obviously summer, ocean, you know, proximity, take it from there. Well, we're 2.6 miles from the ocean. We're on the same latitude as Madrid or Naples, so we're much further south than any French or German vineyards. Okay. We grow French varieties. So fantastic so sun exposure, which is great for ripening your, your skins and your seeds and photosynthesis. Then we have the proximity to the ocean, which gives us the sea breeze. It's cooler in the Hamptons, literally. That's why people from Manhattan come out to the Hamptons, because there's the sea breeze. And what's good for people is good for grapes, and that gives our elegance. It makes our wines, the, I always say, the most food-friendly wines in America because we have these natural apple citrus flavors, this acidity, just is elegant wines. Is that a wines. characteristic of the region, yes. that apple citrus? Yeah, this lively, Did fresh you know character. I'm learning it. <laughs> I learn something new every day. Answer. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's, so it's that... Uh, you, uh, the soil is, in our case, in Bridgehampton, it's the Bridgehampton loam. And again, that Christ I know. Christian so had the a soil is mostly <laughs> loamy soil? It's a clay loam on top of a gravelly sand. So very good drainage, great water holding capacity, especially in these, you know, with climate change, we have sometimes drought months and then you have a lot of rain, whatever. So we have these angulated hills, which gives us good shedding of the water so that you, you don't want your roots sitting in wet, you know, you, you right. know it's about quality, not quantity. But we have great soil, which has good pH, good nutrient uptake of the plant. So there's a healthy way of easily of the healthy grapes and good, good water retention, but good concentration. It's that combination which makes Long Island so unique and different from California or from other vineyards. You know, I, I thought about that and what I don't get. So everything you say kind of checks. It's all good. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not, I mean, there are certain regions where mildew, like the Doro, whatever, has... So hurricanes. <laughs> okay, that would be so our. Don't say. Don't yeah, even say. So if it. all that checks out, and this is a general question, why are there not more, or why weren't there earlier world class wines coming out of Long Island? Was it less the climate and the soil, and more the makers and their visions and what they thought they had to do? There were some world class wines, but they were. In between, you know, they weren't as consistent, I would say, that as what so we've consistency achieved. Consistency was an issue. Consistency is an issue. Um, yeah, nobody cares if one year in, one year out. Prejudice was humongous that you had, you know, no matter how good your wine was. If I make a tannic wine, oh, it's green. If a Californian wine is tannic, oh, lay it down for 20 years. It's, there's a prejudiced view about it. If I make an oaky wine, I get nailed on the cross, I always say. If somebody else has an oaky wine, it's a big wine, a big mama. So, so you have to, that was the original issue. Um, and so finally, the prejudice, luckily, with somewhere in a bottle, has broken down. People are now accepting, and young people also are not as stuck anymore on Bordeaux and Burgundy, and also they can't afford any more Burgundy no. and Bordeaux. So Forget about Burgundy. They're open to any wines from the world, and Long Island has found a beautiful niche. Is there, New is York, there a region yeah. you can compare Long Island to? Is it like is Bordeaux in that? I mean, what's similar as far as climate, soil? Bordeaux would be the most be closest, the, but they're not allowed to grow Chardonnay, for example. <laughs> right. So they would make lovely Chardonnay in Bordeaux, yeah. but they're not allowed they to do. grow it. So Sauvignon we have this freedom and they in makes, America. They make great. We can do what we want, and it's, that's one of that's what my, my, which led us into this. All I wanted to yeah. say is, we're tasting a lot of different. We have we are very successfully growing many different grape varieties, which is wonderful and shows how great this region is. It's a little bit blocking that you know you think of Oregon is Pinot Noir New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc 
Long Island has a lot of different grape varieties, so you don't have yet that one one calling. So what are the biggest challenges to that point? In in defining that? I mean, I think we just we we know that while we make a huge variety of wines, but rose is definitely like what we're known for. And we're we're also okay with that because Roman is an incredible winemaker. He just got a huge award last night for his dessert wine. He's, you know, we don't need that. We're okay with being having a consumer brand as well. You know, right. we're okay with this lifestyle part of our brand. You know, we are we sit alone in that in that we have this winery, this esteemed winemaker who makes these incredible and very serious wines, but also this incredible wine that's put us on the map. Right. You know, Summer in a Bottle has put us on the map. Right. And owners who push and keep on keep yeah. pushing this idea. That is a, it's an important synergy. If you're owned by an insurance company, you may not get any of this support to do what we're doing. But because you have risk-taking owners who understand and love the business, do you it's a think, different thing. Do you think if your dad was still alive that the idea of building this up and selling it is that something he probably wouldn't do, or I don't, I don't know. I, I, I it's can't, not shareholder so, value. He didn't have shareholders. I don't know. You know, my dad, my dad's downfall was like he was had a hard time with people, like people. I think he's had a hard time listening. He had a hard time working with people. He was like, so then that would never happen. I don't think he would have. Yeah. I think he was very think much easy. like my way or the highway. And I think right. that's where Mark and I are different. You know, we are like, it's like you. I know what I know. I know what I'm good at. I want to learn more, but I'm also like, I celebrate what I'm good at and I reach out to others for what I'm not. And I think we all doing that is like the only way you can be successful in any business, right? Right. If I was to tell you that I made these wines, like I'd be a liar. And I also have no idea how to make these wines. I know how to sell these wines. I know how to right. brand these wines, but I don't know how to make them. Right. It's a team effort. Yeah. Right. Um, stay with me. We talked about climate. We talked about soil. We talked about Long Island. Um, talk to me about a couple things, farming and seller practices. Um, there's a lot of buzzwords these days, natural wine, regenerative farming, sustainability, organics, biodynamics. There's a legitimacy to all of that. Let's talk about you and what you do. How do you farm here? Are you forced to farm a certain way because of climate and soil, or you can do what you feel is best? And what is that? Well, first of all, we're most proud of the vineyard. Without this vineyard, it would be an empty shell to have a beautiful building without the quality of our vineyards. And that gives us the foundation to be so bold and push forward and spend extra money on marketing and, and on designs because it for, there is a there is the there is the guts is there the, it's there, so we farm sustainably. It's the on Long Island is the, the what does that sustainable mean? wine growing. Sus- what did, tell me what that means. And it means that we have a rule over two hundred rules where it's a point system. You can't you can only use once a systemic fungicide. You you can't use Roundup. You can you know you can use well, depends on the herbicide. There are certain things only organic fertilizer. It has a point system. If you really have to do certain things, well, you have to take away other things in order to achieve your points, in order to get the, the license, to, I mean, to get this stamp of approval, which is an independently certified uh, group that checks and comes, comes twice a year to check How what they're doing. How prevalent is that on the island? There's I mean, now 20-something wineries, 22 wineries, I want to say, are part How of it. How long have you been doing it? Right from the beginning, we were one of the part and of the of the founding. We even did it beforehand already. When you say extent. twenty, I mean we're we're twenty doing it at the beginning, or only in the last five, eight, ten years. Well, originally there were like 
10 wineries who were, well, there's four, five, six wineries who were the drivers. We were part of that. Right. And then instantly there was another eight, nine that jumped on board. And by now it has gone up. I don't quote me. There's a website. How many members there are exactly? I shouldn't know, but it's around 20 something. Yeah, no, that, that doesn't matter. Um, so it's Do because you... that's the key. And at this stage, you know, it's, it, sustainability means that this is something you can do for the long term. You live right here in the on the farm, you know, houses right on the farms on Long Island. So it's an important part, the groundwater, you want to protect it. And so we do everything possible. And that's the difference, I think, on Long Island. It's a, a more passionate wine growing region because you cannot have 10,000 acre fields where you right. spray Monday to Friday or something and Saturday, Sunday you're off. It's more. You could compare maybe more like Burgundy from that. It's it's smaller vineyards, right. individual owners, you know, owners, and you have farmers. To, and you have to come on a Saturday, Sunday if it rained on Monday and Tuesday. You Do know? you so demand that's that? Different thing. Like in the North Fork, are you doing the same practices? We do with most of the growers, not all of the growers that we have, but most of the growers. You try are. to make them do it that yes, way. Yes, we try to be insistent, but it, you know sometimes you can only push so much. So. One of the big things now, and it should have been a big thing forever, but people talk about it more, is sustainability goes beyond, you know, the field or whatever. It's people, yeah. how you treat your people. Um, do you carry that over here? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. you know. Most, a lot of people have been here forever who have been here. There, There's like a, it's a real family business. You know, I so mean, what do you have to do, you know, to keep people here? And I mean, it's an environment. I mean, that trickles up to you. Well, I mean, you know, Mark and I and, and, you know, Mark has actually made some great investment in housing and we own a couple houses. Um, for, for workers? To offer for workers. Um, I think that's really hard because we're in the Hamptons and the reality is real estate is impossible. You think? It's impossible. And, um you know, I think just like all the benefits, the correct benefits, the way, you know, we have a director of people who is really connected to our employees. You know, we have, we, we're going through all the right processes and we are very aware that people need to feel important and everybody is celebrated. And not and everyone's doing that. I mean, I, I, I mean, know that. To be honest, like I want to enjoy the place I work and I, it's important to me that I work with people that I like. But also you have little kids, right? Yeah. I mean, you want your kids running out into fields that are sprayed with no. Roundup or whatever? No. I mean, no. you know, it's people, it's the fields. Absolutely. It- no. And, and you know, our our we, our we land is all sold for agricultural right, rights. We're not going to develop it. You know, it's really important to me. I ride horses. I love the horses. I mean, that's a passion for me and for my kids as well and Mark's kids. Um, you know, so for us, like, this is a life. You know, it's not just a business. And there's now... Over 160 employees will first state has. It's a, wow. it's a huge commitment. And once you're also in a certain category, you have very different regulations. Yeah. Your whole, you know, the booklet, employee handbook. You you can't anymore like in the past where you're five guys and it was a handshake and, you you know, it was a verbal no agreement. Those days are over. It's all on contract and you have clear expectations and you have a clear holiday schedule and vacation we're very generous with vacations and that all pays off people have to you know that's, recharge it, and come it back comes back when yeah. you take care of, that's important we have an incredible um, team and it's not hospitality, easy hospitality wineries we're not at the head of the curve on this so the fact that you're dug in all right to finish uh, this chapter let's talk about seller practices um, we all agree that the best wines are made out in the field you know if you really take care of your grapes. There's not much you have to do. Do you do much in the cellar? 
I mean, are these wines that you have to manipulate and formulize every year? We so? work quite traditional in the cellar. We work very out there. We, we pick by hand our vineyards. We leaf remove the fr in the fruit zone the, the, the leaves so that the clusters are exposed to sunlight. They have less pyrazine, and less of these green grassy flavors as a result. That has been a big game changer for our reds, for example. And in the in a good year, you get away with murder. If you wouldn't do it, it wouldn't be so crucial. But in all the little tricky years, by going this extra mile and paying for the extra mile, extra staff doing all this stuff, we've, we've made these consistently high-quality wines. So... Once you get the grapes, we have a new acillus, like a new distemma, for example. It was the first on, on, the, on Long Island. It's not the old-fashioned spinning distemma. It's this square shaking. It's a game changer, that what our, how our reds come in. No stems. There's a sorting table. With, if any rotten berry or from a bee sting or bird Takes damage out. comes out, we're fanatic how clean we pick. Wow. Once you do all that, you have much cleaner fermentations. You don't need... To do at all, you know, you chill, you have a good chilling system so that you don't get too warm, so you preserve your fruit. And the rest is a lot of attention to detail. When something starts to go stinking, well, take it off the skins and, and press That's it off the skin. And rack, we're fanatic how clean we rack. If you've ever seen in Bordeaux, when they rack with candlelight, you know, in the cellars. Yeah. That's so basically, in a way, how we rack our tanks and our barrels. We're extremely fanatic, clean. And when you work that clean, and once you did that to start with, now you can let your wine sit for 30 days on the skin. They don't go stinky. You can let it sit for seven and a half months. Silly. I will top the Pearl Chardonnay, which we can taste next. And it's just they get more texture, more structure and richness. And it just makes a more interesting wine than just a pure little fruity wine or something like that. So, so we work, we're very clean, very detailed and oriented. Um, that's basically it, yeast. You know, in some cold years, you have to chap the lies, but that's only very happens right. less and less these days with, right. with climate change. Right. So, You're in a unique region. Yep. I mean, at this point, you know what it takes, but it's still. Um, all right. We have to take a quick break. We're talking to Roman Roth and Joey Wolfer from uh, Wolfer Estate. And we're going to take a quick break. When we come back. We're going to drink more wine, and I want to get into the wines and get into the rosé and the stories behind all of that. So you're listening to The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll be right back. I'm Louisa Kasdan, host of Let's Talk About Food. I recently hosted an exciting live podcast event in Boston, and interviewed incredible women entrepreneurs who have received small business coaching from the Samuel Adams Brewing the American Dream program. When I was applying to law school and I got in, I said, you know what, I'm still young, let me pivot and go into the food industry and really follow my passion. I was kind of Skid. It was a new thing to me. It was like, hey, I don't want me in the newspaper. I just want to be in my room, in my house. <laughs> so that was when I'm like, okay, now that I'm in the local newspaper, I better not disappoint the people that, you know, that have this belief in me. And on the days that you're tired or you feel defeated, just keep going. And 10 people might tell you no, but that doesn't mean that's your end result. You just have to keep going. 
Hear their stories on Let's Talk About Food, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again to Samuel Adams Brewing the American Dream for supporting this episode. HRN is home to transformative exchanges about food. We hope our diverse lineup of shows opens your eyes, educates, and empowers. Thanks to HRN, I ventured into the world of cooking with sumac, and I have not looked back since. I was listening to A Taste of the Past with my mom, and there was an episode about the history of American food. It inspired me to make it the subject of my final social studies project, and I ended up getting an A. Join us during our summer membership drive by donating and becoming a member. Members play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org forward slash donate to become a member today. We thank you for your support. All right, we're back. We're back with my guests, Joey Wolfer and Roman Roth from Wolfer Estate. Um, Let's talk about the wines. All right, there's a lot of wines to talk about. We talked a little about the farming, the property. Um, So... What was intriguing to me is Christian, your dad, your early boss, made a commitment to rosé before it was a thing, right? I I mean, you know, rosé is the acceptance level now is higher. The diversity is there. The quality. I mean, there's still some crap, but, you know, there's still, you know, some good stuff. But this guy, I, I, I mean, I guess both of you, I'll start with Roman, I mean, What's the story of why Wolfer became this rosé house, it's fair to say? Well, I think we took it seriously and make a dry rosé that was ahead of the curve, that people still made sweet rosés <laughs> those days. Why it's but that, that's, that's an easy statement. Yes. Why? I mean, like, it's like, why would you make something that, you know, hadn't been really, you know, groundbroken yet and you're not sure where it would go? Because we had to like it. I, you know, I don't like sweet rosé or, or over-oaked wines. Or so you but also traveling. Make- Think about it. I mean, they're both German. My dad, they went traveling. They went to Saint-Tropez. They, they went yeah, to these places. They the experienced yes. that. Yeah. Right. And, and to be honest, like, like I said, like dad was like, didn't give a shit about what other, other people thought. He was like so focused on doing his thing. And Roman is like that too, which I think is why we're, you know, we're always ahead of the curve because we don't think about what they're doing. We just do what we know that we can do. Right. So and when you go to Saint-Tropez in Provence, you realize the quality and the lifestyle, which is a cool wraparound. Yeah. My, food my, brother, my brother-in-law lived in, the in Monaco. That's you want to bring back, yeah. right? Yeah. And if you do it, do it right. That yeah. is an old saying in Germany. Don't do it if you can't do it right. So just to make something to please who knows what, it has to be. It had to be classy at the beginning when we didn't make money. At least we had to build our reputation. So we couldn't. Work, you know, you, if something has to grow, something had to be positive. And in our case, we worked as hard as we could on the reputation, and and in the long run, that. That paid off, basically, rather than jumping after the quick buck or some sweet yeah. something or the other. What was the recipe? It was a blend of varietals? It was always I a mean, blend of varietals. I mean, how different early on than now? I mean, it depends on what you're growing, what comes in. At the beginning, I mean, it used to be two or three varieties. Now we use up to eight or nine different varieties to make the What were the beginning varietals? It was Merlot, Cap Franc, and Chardonnay. Yeah, those were the three. And it 
So from the start, and I mean, growing up in Germany, we made a rosé, quite a well-known Badisch Rotgold, and it was always half Pinot Noir and yeah, usually half Pinot Gris. So I was quite comfortable blending red and white grapes to make a rosé, which in France is quite normal, mandatory. You can't even make a single varietal rosé, otherwise you have to call it table wine. So anyway, it was normal. We made the dry rosé, and then Christian did push. He would yeah. push his what all his business first, uh, friends to you take two cases yeah, of right. the rosé. Yeah. <laughs> Good sales guy. If you don't like it, you, was, you don't have to pay me. What was the first uh, rosé vintage? 1992. 1992. We started off with, with 92 cases of rosé, the first. There's so a picture, original <laughs> picture. It's so, so by good. 95, where are you at? Three by years 95, later. By 95, we were in the 800, I think 900 cases. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, decent growth. All right. So, Joey, this goes back to you. You, we talked about what you were doing and that you jumped into the business. And pretty soon on... The rosé thing was kind of a move that you guys committed to that you were involved with. Um, I would assume up till 2013, sales continued to escalate. Yes. They kept uh, growing. Right? Yep. But is summer in the bottle, which is, you know, an iconic wine and certainly, yeah. you know, the cornerstone. Um, how does that come about? That comes about with you now involved, right? Well, it's it was obviously. I don't mean you singularly, no, no. but it's, we can't sensitive to that. Yeah, um, it is a uh, you know, it was very much my friend saying to me over and over, "Some Wolfer is summer in a bottle. Wolfer is summer in a bottle." And we were like, "We love that." Just Wolfer is summer in a bottle. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, Wolfer is nostalgia for summer. It's family. It's summertime. So we're like, okay, so we should do an ad campaign about this. So I, you know, had met with this designer in England. We had talked about my family upbringing. We had talked about this lifestyle, this bohemian lifestyle. You know, my parents would sit at the table with Bianca Jagger, Lee Radziwill, like, you know, Mick, was it Mick, the Mick Jones, Mick Jones, Mick Jones, like all these people. And they would just all hang out. It was a different time. You know, it was less like party. Everyone had fun. Pretty cool. Very loose. Very artistic. And the Hamptons is really like at its core. I mean, Andy Warhol, ha you know, sure. there's a really Truman Capote. There's been incredible people, who creators who lived here. So like I really explained that to him. I sent him, we sent him books. We like, you know, inspired him. We said, we want to really celebrate the Hamptons. We want it. We are the core of the Hamptons. That's what we want to celebrate. And he came up with this, first the cider and then this ad campaign, which I, we have to find the original, which was a floral bottle. It was an image of a floral bottle, and it had our logo, the and it just said, Wolfer is summer in a bottle. And we were like... Was the bottle made for the ad? I mean, it, it no, was no, a gold it was label. Just it was just a picture. Just a picture. It was just a, just a picture. picture. So that was sort of the prototype or the and, inspiration. And Roman is like, guys, we should just make this bottle. And we they're like, make that's a summer crazy, in a bottle. but we should. So we're, we're all like, how do we make this bottle? The original bottle is hilarious. We still laugh at it. And we were like, okay, make 1,500 cases. We make 1,500 cases. It sold out in two weeks. Gone. Wow. And so we're like, okay. And to the, no, it wasn't just this. Oh, you can't make such no, yes. an expensive rosé. Yeah. This is. Because it was expensive. Where would you yeah. place this? You know, like, I mean, on and on. There was like a lot of. Again, the feet negative pushback. Pushback. Like and we pulled. 19, 18, 20 bucks then? No, 24. No, it was 20. It was immediately. 24 dollars. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we started. Like it was 24 nine, dollars. years ago? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Really? So it was against a bit the grain. Yeah. And we've made into fifteen hundred cases. Just vanished in a matter of. So a we month just or kept two. growing it, and then my whole thing was, I got worried because I'm like a fashion person, and I'm in trend, right? Trend, like I don't want this to be trendy. So I was like, we got to do another label, we got to do another like version of this. It's 
fun five whatever years. So we do another version, which is like the next bottle, which is was beautiful. And actually, like, thank God, because the original makes us we were laughing about it yesterday. It's just a totally different thing. You know, and and that bottle, like the need for it, the selling out, the daily news, the New York Post. Sold out. Rosé is running out. Hampton's running out of Rosé. But it went across the world. It went viral across the world, that article. And we were the, us and Whispering Angel were the cover of that. So I think that like whole vibe and and at the same time, our table table rosé is exploding, right? The gold label is exploding. what preceded Summer in the Bottle was the table rosé? That was, yeah, that's the, by that stage we were at 15,000, 30,000 cases between the two. More blending grapes? No, the the estate rosé we pick early on the fresh side. So it is vibrant fruit, has a nice acidity, beautiful balance, nice blend. The sum in the bottle we pick five days later, six days later. So that, the pH goes a dip. bit up, the acidity comes a little down. That gives you a bit more of that salty sea lion quality like that the Provence Rosé has, for example. And we're adding, in this case now, right now it's 3.5% Gewürztraminer. was up to 9% at some stage or 12%. So this, because we wanted peach, as if you, your peach juice running down your Does beard. Does the Gewurz you know, like, give you that peachiness? Well, yeah. some of flavors of cantaloupe, honeydew, right, right. melon, peaches. It's more, it's more like full-bodied our summer in a bottle yeah. than the table it's, rosé. Well, yeah, so it's a bigger, Americans more giving, have this profile, like you know, yeah. little residual sugar, not saying yeah, it that it's sweet, dry. that It was fullness. dry, but the fruit, yeah, yes, no, was I'm yeah. not implying yeah. that, but they, they want certain things. It was, yeah. I mean, it is, and what I, we worried, we're like, well, are people going to get sick of it? But it's not. It's it's they use it as a as candle holders. They use it as fl- vases. They People cut it down. Fight over the we empty have a woman bottles. who <laughs> literally goes through our trash and steals our bottles and then makes candles out of it and sells them. You know, it became it's, it's like flattery in a sense. It, it's fine, but it's also just if you think about it, it's a collector's piece. It's like now what you go to your friend's house and you bring that, and it's summer. It means somebody said this to me the other day. I walked in, I brought two bottles of rosé, and she said, okay, summer in a bottle is here, summer has begun. And that's what it is. You know, summer has begun. The stories are endless on endless. that. But it's nice yeah. to own, you know, a little of that position. Oh, it's, you know, I mean, not everyone. Uh, but I think it's also, if you think about it, it makes it celebratory. Like, it, it acts as like a, as a celebration, not just another product, right? This is like means so much more than just drinking wine, you but, know? I mean, how many wine brands can... Create such an emotion. No, no, no. I, I mean, that's it's, uh, my eye doctor. Yes. This is my wife's favorite rosé. They treat me for free. It goes on and on. Like, it's Can just. Can you treat not, me? Because I need to get glasses. The awesome thing is, you know, it's a Long Island wine. I mean, isn't this. I mean, certainly on the East Coast, it's one of the top selling rosés. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Right? And yes. generally, you know, it's making a dent in Only everything. We're in Whole Foods. So you're making, country, you're yeah. making eight rosés now? Five. Five? Five, yeah. five rosés. Well, he w- he might make one eight. Second. We French, one <laughs> second, we make, we make, well, we make four rosés here, which is the, the estate Well, that's, rosé. I wanted to, I yeah. wanted yeah. to segue like into that. I guess, excuse my obnoxiousness, but you get so good at this, your balls get so big, you can do anything. It's like, we, we got to make more rosé, we got to go to the homeland. So tell me about your most very recent project, the, the Provence you, well, it was. We have come. Long Island has three thousand acres of wines, so you can only grow so much. All Long planted Island planted of Long Island, yeah. three thousand acres. So four villages in Germany have more vineyards, or in yeah. France, or whatever. So the the point is, 
we could have grown a little bit, but you would have to go with growers that are not up to par, and we didn't want to do that. The quality comes first. Then thinking, well, should we become go to Oregon, California, yeah. become the American rosé producer? And then Mark Wolf, Joe's yeah. brother, had the idea, if we're going through all this trouble, why don't we go to the heartland of it all, to Provence? And then we're starting the debate, and Joey, we all did be discussing this, and, yeah. and I felt... There's so much rosé produced right now in, in, in France and so much bulk wine moved back and forth, yeah. negotiant business. I need another eight tankers from, it doesn't matter who sells you the wine, another, it's all, it all from corporations and whatever. There's a couple of fantastic family-owned Provence yeah. producers, but there's a lot of movement. And, and we felt if we could find a place where we can grow it and make it and bottle it all in one place, I think we have a head. We can be ahead a of mo a lot of lot of wineries there, and that is a, a, a key to that. We why would yeah. we go there? I would also say quality, that yeah. I would also say that the that COVID was really important for us in that because it made us slow down. So we took the time. We took two years yes. to yeah. find the right partner. So Mark there was went a benefit. And met, Absolutely. Mark, Mark and his and his now wife went over and met this guy, you know, Guillaume, and they sat down and they talked through the process because the relationship is important too. And we didn't want to work with somebody who said, I want to be the center of, you know, originally we were like, well, maybe we'll partner with somebody and we'll be like summer in a bottle times. And we're like, actually, we don't want that. We want to like, we want it to be ours. And this guy, you know, he's an eighth Fantastic. generation farmer. He 11, wants to yeah. be, or 11th generation. He wants to, he wants, doesn't care about the ego. You know, he wants to make a great wine. He liked, he liked Mark. Then we went over, he liked us. We were able to build the relationship, which I think as you've, we've talked about throughout the sustainability that's the really important, right? The relationship is important. And we are not a negotiant business. He's going to be involved in yeah. the winemaking process. He wants to know what they're doing, you know? And so, so this is all current, right? It's all yeah. current. Is, is the, there a the vintage biggest, yet? Yes. Well, yeah, the 2021. You're going to have it yeah. at the 21 end. is the first. Yeah, and it's the 2000, well, it's also the biggestly, biggest privately held vineyard in Provence. He has 700 hectares, wow. 1,750 yeah. acres. And because we had another two cup, another yeah. two growers, but the, if we would have gone with the other two growers, we would have already next year we would have had to start buying bulk wine because yeah. they didn't have the vineyards, and so that was exactly against no. the point. Quality yeah. was the key to beat to 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 and make he's a such point. a wonderful person, and like I think that really mattered to us that we had this. It felt right. Yep. It felt right, and but then, and then COVID kind of we were rushing, 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 and then we were like, whoa, whoa. COVID slowed us all down. And we did this correctly. We launched it correctly. We did the packaging correctly. We got Patience. the bottle correct. You know, it's incredible system of, if you look at it, you'll see the printing. It's perfect on the will, bottle. Will the um, volume of that wine surpass summer in a bottle just because of the acreage? And Well, there's two things. Long so Island. We can't tell him our secrets. No secrets. He, this is don't not answer, a secret. Don't answer <laughs> the big, anything you don't no, want. The, 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 the thing is, the point is, uh, we, what's happening is, Long Island, we're making around 50, 60, 70, up to 70. This year we made, last year we made, 2021, we made 76,000 cases somewhere in a bottle. But it's crazy. You, you can't make more if we want to stay on this quality. And, the, and nevertheless, we've been such an iconic wine. But if you go to California or to Tennessee or to Florida and you have to entertain your boss is coming for dinner and you go to this bottle shop and you say, mm, should I buy the Minchato Minuti or should I buy a Long Island Rosé? Eh, I buy the minuti, it's safer and shows that whatever. And with this Provence idea, we're getting this oh amazing quality, unbelievable package, 
and Cote de Provence appellation. It's like a triple hammer. And it's it's like in the best stores in Napa, and they're buying it. Like it's really case stacks in Napa Valley. It's very crafty. It's cra- it's to you know you kind of get your chops with summer in a bottle to make an authentic provincial rosé yep. and all yep. that. And it's. All our, I mean, all our roses are delicious. It's very, it's delicious, and, and it drinks like well, the, the what grapes you would are from a different terroir. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, it, the expression is yeah, and yeah. different varietals. Grenache yeah. and so it's eighteen percent Syrah and nine and a half percent Vermentino, which is a white wine grape, and it, it I call it the most balanced rosé from Cote and, d'Ivoire. And I've never had a better French rosé in my life. There I are, really can't. There say. are bold ones. There are. Character roses, what, but there this is an elegant. Rose. Give me the ballpark retail. Twenty six. Twenty six. So it's similar. We need to, to go up more based on what your analysis from our twenty four dollar one nine years ago. Right, so it easy, everybody, it's his fault if the price get goes emails up. Emails or phone calls, and I screwed it up for everyone because you put me on the spot. All right. Um, so first vintage is out. Yep. 2022 is not even in pick yet and all no, that. No, we're talking. It's across, like, Texas now. We have huge growth in Texas. Florida is a really great great for us now. California, um, Massachusetts, you know. And so it's it's in Nobu. It's served by the glass at Nobu in New York. Oh, that's great. Yeah. But, you know, that's a prestige thing. It's, it's what, um, what about distribution? I mean, you're working with major. 26 states now yeah, we are. Then and we five have, countries. Five, six, seven, even with New Zealand. I mean, tiny, okay. there's New Zealand, yeah. there's Bermuda. And there, there used to be a time where you had to like beg people to do it and now yeah. they come to you, you know. It's no, I mean, it's still like, it's still like a process, you know, no matter what, you know, there's in wine, there's, it's, it, it doesn't change much, right? The sales process. So you, you still have to like push it. It's We're all, really, they, they went on two huge road trips, Max and Roman and our yeah, sales director. You sell wine, you got to be you on the I road. was just going to say, you still have to press the flesh. Yes. You still have to no. sit with people. Handshake. You know, and, 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 and it matters. I like are. that about it though. I mean, you know, we, uh, Max and I, my husband, and we went out in Palm Beach together, like selling wine with our wine bags and it worked because yeah. it's like, it's authentic and we are a family owned business, you know? So tell me about sales. Um, there's different channels. There's um, wine club, direct to consumer from the winery. Yep. There's restaurants. Internet has been There's huge internet. Well, that's internet. Yeah, yeah. However, you break yeah. that down. How does that break down for you? I mean, where do the, most of the sales come from? Whole, still, I mean, wholesale. Eighty percent yeah. goes through distributor. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we've been we've, we've been fortunate to make the distributor sales work. When you're a small winery. It's almost impossible to go through distributor because you lose instantly fifty yeah, percent of your margin. You, yeah, and you. But you, it's it's a testament to the product. But if yeah. you can grow DTC and all that, isn't that more we profitable are. and everything? But we're but it's doing it's all at once, right? Like you know, this year we've invested heavily into marketing influencer programs. So all let, of that. Let, so let's talk about that. I mean, you're the you know the branding person and all of that. You. You were, you are in an age where the internet, internet, Instagram, I mean, that's one of the most Instagrammable bottles. No, no. I mean, when your dad and you were at the beginning, I mean, your phone was this big. (laughs) Yes. You know, now, I mean, what impact has that had? I, I mean, do you, well, I think it's like, are you active with it? I'm very active with it. Yeah. And the winery, we have like 80, 81,000 followers here for the winery, um, I have, you know, not a not a huge following, but a very 
good following. Um, and I kind of tie my own life into the wine and into design. Um, and I use, I'm very active with it and I, it, it works. I mean, it works. It also speaks it's to free, like, it's free. it's free and it's authentic, right? Free. I mean, I present myself very authentically, yeah. you know, and I, and I think that that's like a representation of our brand, you know, Roman is very good on Instagram and he, sometimes he posts pictures sideways, but you know, we, Oops. we, we fix him. He's an old in, guy. No, he's not. He's just gray. I just, I'm slowly getting as old as I look. <laughs> You're but growing he, into yourself. But you know, think about like this wine, Rosé in general, the Instagram, like this has made, we used to come here and Roman can say this too. And no, we're not upset about it at all, but it was a different group of people. Now we have people who are like, I cannot believe how young they are. Like yeah. drinking well, that, rosé, so drinking talk wine. Talk to me about demos. I mean, obviously the whole wine world has shifted. It's definitely gotten younger. No, we have a, we have from 21 to 89. But is the younger up. market becoming a Huge. bigger force yes. stepping up? Yes. Are yes. they focusing towards certain things? Rosé, cider, cider, rose. obviously, cider rose. obviously the wise, but... So they come here. I mean, just if you sit in your car and watch for 20 minutes who walks in, who when, you, when in you see 24-year-old taking pictures of the winery door, I mean, there's nothing, I mean, it's <laughs> like, it's our winery door, but, the door. but they're so excited that they see the winery. It, I mean, it really makes your heart and TV. happy. We've been on some good TV. We've had some good Things. TV moments. Billions you mean on shows and stuff? Yeah, like yeah. shows, yeah, yeah. Like, like all the reality shows. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched Billions, but in... There's a moment in Billions where she, the one, the the Paul Giamatti holds the bottle and he's like, "Want some rosé?" She says, "The Wolfer, isn't that sold out?" And it's this moment <laughs> so that I you're saw just that. like, but that was that wasn't a, that was like two three seasons ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was huge. Because my though. wife's a big fan, and she goes, "There's the Wolfer." I know it was. <laughs> but that's the, that's like the organic. That's the great but that, stuff. And we don't pay for that. It just happens. But do you because feel like? I mean, you don't need to do influencer marketing. Pay we do influence. do it. We you don't do pay. We just gift. We okay. don't pay. We don't pay. Well, we, that's, have, we have a very you good... You engage in it, however engage. you We decide. engage in it, yeah. and then they do it themselves, you know? Yeah. The thing is, it's all like, you know, if you think about Texas, for example, they don't know us in Texas, right? So in order for them to know us, and for them, even though we are in 65 Safeways there, right? Albert's in Safeways. We want them to walk in the store and recognize the bottle. How do they recognize the bottle? Because they saw on their Instagram that this influencer was serving that bottle. So that's how they... So it's all... You know, Connected. organic, it's connecting, you know, even though they fall in love with our bottle, they want to know, why should I pick the $26 one over that one if they're both from Provence? Oh, my, that woman that I really like think is so cool posted that and then they fall in love with the wine and then it, then they're also posting it. You know, it's, it's organic and it, it's. But you also have the product in the story. I mean, you have, we have a story. you could try hard and not succeed because you, you don't have it. Um. Well, and I always say this, if you would be a winery from Walla Walla or in the middle of the outback and you want to be the cool beach rosé, you can do monster marketing campaigns, but so it's I, not authentic. I had it's Gary not, Vaynerchuk you know? on the show who's a huge you know, uh, social media yeah. mogul and a wine guy. He said if you went to Uruguay, found a great Tanat producer – not even in a bottle, put it in a can, brought it here, put it in like Kim Kardashian's yeah. hand. And mind you, the the wine is good. Yeah, you know, yeah. The idea yeah, yeah. it has to be nice. It, it would sell like crazy because that's the model now. You know, if you it's use changing. it correctly. But also, if you can come here, then you li then you live the story. 
You know, if you right, can, yeah. if you do it, come it's authentic. here, it is yes. authentic, and that's the that's the ultimate difference. You can create the, the these things, and people spend yeah. fortunes doing this, and, and big it's companies. Thirty five years old, like it doesn't it was not born yesterday. It's a brand that's real. There's sustainability. There's history, and I think that a lot of wines, like he's saying, these kind of more frivolous rosés, don't have a story. So they're like. Right. It's a celebrity product, but the, there's no story. The younger consumers about stories. They care. Um, talking about before this. we move on, what did we just drink? What what did you pour? Just tell me so about it quickly. So this is the Pearl Chardonnay. This is a, a P E R L E, yeah, not P E. It's our White Horse wine. It's named and White Horse is our reserve line. Is the reserve this is line our, the better wine? Where we try to go with world class, where it's absolutely hundred percent Chardonnay, hundred percent Chardonnay barrel fermented in say seventeen percent new oak. So it's not an over oak Chardonnay. It's balanced. It is seven months early. It has the lovely lees and yeast texture structure. It's a fantastic food-friendly wine and longevity. That's another thing I, we haven't spoken. We, our white horse wines, we try to make that they can age 20, 25 years, our whites, 30, 40 years, our reds, and 50 to 80 years, our ice wines. Um, are you pulling grapes from certain lots? I mean, these yep. are the preferable. This is right here. This was planted in 1993. A so Dijon, older a Dijon, vines. Dijon clone, smaller clusters, smaller so berries. Clones, older Every berry vines. is exposed to sunlight. Every the ripening of the clusters is homogeneous, so that when I decide to pick, everything is at a similar stage of ripening. It's not a compromise. Oh, the, on the back of the grape cluster they are unripe, on the front they overripe. You blend it, it makes an okay wine. But why doesn't it age twenty years? Because some grapes were overripe, other grapes were underripe. So very homogeneous ripening. Richie this, again, this our wine vineyard manager. Up to a yeah, lot this of is it's a beautiful it's wine. Incredible. This was it's the a wine, nice full-bodied wine, but not. You it's know, not, too much. No, it's yeah. I mean, it's balanced. got some body. You can get some serious wine drinkers. This is a, this is would be a popular wine because of the mouth it's, feel and the flavor and all that. Yeah. Um, all right, we don't have oh, no to more. wrap up this second, but we got to move towards yep. ending the show. I want to do a couple things. I want to do the wine list, and uh, we do a thing called the weekly wine sip. Although we've been tasting wine throughout the show, we'll end the show tasting the uh, summer in a bottle. The Cote de Provence. The Cote Clar- de Provence, because that's, that's uh, you know, the newest thing. Um, you talked about the pandemic, how in a sense it was a good thing because it slowed you down. What about all the only other... Only with Provence. <laughs> it only with slowed Provence. us down with Provence, yeah. What, what, uh, we had huge... It was huge for us because everyone moved out here. That's right. So we had I mean, people moving out here. What about mailing lists? Oh, Let our just, website went bonkers, 300% up. Most wine people yeah. had a good, you yeah. know, bump and all that, but I forgot about We the, did also, we did virtual tastings. So we did that with like offices. We did it with individuals. Week. I mean, Roman was like doing these left and right. I mean, Can, we tried to keep it so that the experience was like, you know, that they would feel like they are part of something because people missed coming here, you know, really missed coming here. So- I think that that was a that was a huge growth for a huge growth period for us. I mean, what do you buy? You buy what makes you happy and what you trust. Well, yeah, I yeah. Mean, but we, we yeah. couldn't, I mean, even, we couldn't all, even go all to a liquor my store. That are winemakers, yeah. their online stuff. You know, yep. people doubled and tripled down yep. for the reasons that you yep. said. Plus, they are committed we, to you and they yeah. like it. And yeah. our drive-through was. And everybody was out here. And Instagramming yeah. it. So it was this drive-through. We had a big head start. That was incredible. I mean, it was the most exciting time because that we would even um, good for you you bust your ass all those years and you don't get caught you know i mean look at the restaurant business hospitality i know it was terrible i know i mean we we were it was 
there was definitely a moment before it became an essential product that we were like, uh oh. Now, <laughs> like, we, now we have a problem. Gonna, but we were like, yeah. And too then, essential. You know, and then it became. What, what is this we're drinking? This is like so, so is, tropical. This is Antinoff Sauvignon Blanc. This is one of our. So it's got that fourth grassy, year. greeny, yeah. but yeah. there's a lot of tropical. It's ripe. It's, it's a special too. clone, a musk clone, which has a bit more tropical aromas. In a matter of four years, we have now pulled evenly with a pearl. With there's, a, there's something on the palate that Love surrounds it. It's it's almost like mushroomy or earthy. It sits on top really of the floral and the typical. That's It's it's our grown crew approach. It, it, there's some barrel fermentation. It sits on the leaves for four and a half months. Mm-hmm. That's stir, what it stir is. The leaves. It's the, so it's not, just a simple, it's not just a simple very much stainless steel Sauvignon Blanc. There's a lot more going on there. It, um, it's Sorry. also named after my, my best horse. horse, who was my um, All right, so champion. let's talk about that. Um, we, I, I mentioned it quickly in the promo. Um, we talked about the property, you know, upwards of 175 acres. A big chunk of that is devoted to uh, an equestrian center, yep. to horses. Um, a lot of that is family, your mm-hmm. upbringing, your love of horses. You yeah. were a hor- or are a horse jumper. Yeah. So tell me about that aspect of Wolfer. Well, it's if you look at the lo- the logo, it's a horse head. You yeah. know, it's it all works together. You know, the whole the whole farm is. It, we have pigs, we have donkeys, we have horses. You know, barn cats. We've got kind of a little bit of everything. But you know, for me, when we moved, when my dad and mom started the farm, dad was like, in, my mom was loved like horses, and my dad was interested. So they built a small barn. And then when I was six, I started getting into it, but I never did it like I do it now, you know? So this was sort of like... When did you jump into it seriously? Um, like as a I teenager? After my, you know, I kind of rode whatever I could. And then after my, I did have my, I did have sort of pursue it a little bit in my teenage years, just one horse jumping, like, you know, small jumps. And then after college, and then my dad died, and then I did get my first horse and I... um started getting into it and then I realized that I really like had a passion for it and it was like something that I really wanted to do and now I'm jumping a level that I like never dreamed of and I'm just turned 40 so I'm a little bit crazy Wait, but so you're at 40 you're more evolved than you've ever been I'm jumping you got yourself a meter 50 which is really wow. big yeah that's yeah. pretty cool so that's yeah. a big passion time-consuming commitment thing of you but you it get- works with our whole life right like no, we no, sponsor the I gc mean. well we like the there's a global champions tour in new york we sponsor that as the winery we now have a jump that's going to be at the hampton classic that's a big event so it's kind of like it all fits together really nicely Is and the, the horse can- classic that polo thing it's no. the show jumping show jumping. you gotta come mm-hmm. um so like we have you know we're a big sponsor there we're gonna have our own jump we are going to have our own jump at the Winter Equestrian Festival, which is in Florida, which is a, also a, you know, they're big wine drinkers, big, you know, they're from all over the world. So it's really great for our brand, but it's also people love our product. So it all kind of ties, ties in, in now. Yeah. Do you have the kids on horses? Uh, they, they ride a pony, yes. But pony. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not a pusher. Like in that way, I think that right. I found my happen. own, my own, because I had to work for it. And I think that there's something like that, that you have to be able to do so is there a public aspect to this can i come to the center you can come and see it absolutely we don't we did but when dad dad used to sort of fund that as well and now no we rent we rent stalls to people okay yeah so it's a business i mean it's a difficult business but it's a business okay (laughs) um 
Does it is it just Wolfer Stables? Wolfer State Stables, yeah. Wolfer State yeah. Stables. So we have an amazing group of people who ride there and um it's a community as well, you know. I mean, all this whole place is a real community. We're really lucky. Yeah. You could you could uh feel it when you get out here. It's pretty nice. It's nice to drive up and you first hit the vines yeah. and the uh center yeah. and all that. All right. There's probably a lot more that we could have talked about, but we have to move on. We're going over an hour here. You just opened something. Before we drink the uh, rosé, what are we drinking? Very now? quickly. I just want to highlight. Not quickly. <laughs> quickly. Right 2000. What's not quick enough is you pouring it. <laughs> yeah. This is the 2019 Kaya Cap Franc. In 2019, I've been now 30 years making 100% wine. 100% Cap Franc? It is 86. 86. And what 14% of our $100 Merlot gets blended into this wine. Okay. And in Kaya, C-A-Y-A, uh, Wolfer Estate. Is this? This is Cap Franc. But is this the same stuff as the... It's the White Horse. Uh, the White, yeah. Yeah. Yep. White, White Horse, Horse wine, the reserve wine in 2019 was the best vintage we've had in 30 years, I yeah. call it. I was going to ask you that. So this we're talking killer vintage. Now tell our vintage. listeners, Cab Franc, you know, people have drank Merlot, yep. Soft, Cab, you know, big one. So what are the characteristics of Cab Franc? Cab Franc is a little bit more playful, a little bit more aromatic. The tannins are a little softer. Merlot is round and fat. Cabernet Sauvignon can be harsh and strong and powerful. And Cap Franc is a bit more elegant in the middle. But you can yes. make it concentrated. If you do extra work in the vineyard and you expose your fruit, you get extremely ripe. You get great sort of beautiful berry notes oozing out. And then you can get some little you know, chocolate and leather. I mean, Hermes leather, not some cheap got leather. It's got a nice uh, afterpal, yeah. Nice. And so it just... A baby of a vine. It's this on mine, oak. I taste a little oak. It's 100% in barrels, but we use around uh, close to 28% is new oak. So it's not, also a, not, crazy. not an oaky monster. Yeah. Very and nice. It just, uh, it just shows how great. And we don't make these cough syrup reds on Long Island. Even our most concentrated reds, which can age 30 years, have 13 volume percent, 13 and a half maybe. You know, and you hardly find that in a hot climate. Very so good. It's a fun wine to make. It's it's for what, uh, collectors. It's something unique. What uh give me classic food pairings for this. Oh, this I mean duck of course is always a great pairing on Long Island. Long Island duck is in every restaurant basically. What else? So that's a classic. It's versatile. You could have it with bluefish or with some stronger, you know, salmon or something. So it would I'll work. drink 50 bottles of this before I eat one bluefish, just so you know. <laughs> oh, I'm not eating bluefish. Give oh, me something If I make, yeah, it, yeah, if yeah, I yeah, make you that bluefish. Oh, man. <laughs> bluefish. I know. That. I was like, that is the strangest pairing that I I've get heard it. today. I totally get it because it'll hold up. You know, bluefish is a little oily. And, yeah, you know, it's a rich, or a richer fish. Germans and like <laughs> oily fish. You have to get into that. I herring. I herring. Mm. Right, so that's the 2019 Kaya, C-A-Y-A. Um, that's the Wolfer State Cap Franc. Um, great vintage. Um, I think and I wish you used those glasses. For an those opportunity to taste, you know, a really nice varietal um, that's done well on Long Island. All right. Nobody leaves the Grape Nation without doing the wine list. We ask our guests five questions. Every guest that's appeared on the show has been asked the same five questions. Uh, I want you to be spontaneous. I don't want you dwelling. <laughs> I post these answers on our social media because people love to hear, you know, what you guys are drinking. Um, don't freak out, Joey. It's very easy. Oh, my gosh. So the first. I'm not good like stop. this. Stop. The Make, first question is, first. what are you drinking now? 
What are you tasting? What's in your fridge? What's interesting you? The seasons have changed. What are you shifting to? What are you drinking now? I mean, I know you're always tasting Wolfer and maybe yes. comparison wines, but like what's... what's I'm, well, I'm lucky I make the wine list for Wolfer Kitchen, which is a restaurant in Amagansett that Wolfer has. And so mm. it's fun to it, it, tasting a lot that. of wines. And there's this, this Pinot Bianco from Alto Adige. It's uh, the, the Tramine, they call it... Uh, 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 bits of, uh, We're on the same page on this. So one. anyway, it's a if fun you, wine. I will email you, and you will, if you don't remember, you'll tell me because I want to yep. post it. The winery is Tramine. And it's T-R-A-M-I-N. Like Tramine, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's, it has a little, a little sub-name like Moritz. Moritz is the, is the name they give to this particular one. The 2020 vintage is just a, such a great wine, fun Do wine. Do you like that region? I do. There's many great wines. I, mean, I that, may go there next year and do a bunch of interviews there. Yeah, there's fun. And then even if you hop to Serbia next door, there's some cool wineries now coming from in Serbia. Yeah, Eastern it's a, Europe. It's a half an hour drive right on the border to Italy. My yeah. oldest son is in Croatia, in Dalmatia, where they're making wine on the coast. Yep. There's some fun stuff uh, yeah. there. All right, so anything else? Well, giving you every, time to every think now and then when I get a chance at a, a cool Barolo or something, uh, I, you know, I have luckily so some friends. So, do you like very aged Barolo? Do you have any makers that you? Uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's so they're so different. Yeah, it, true. It, uh, that's what's nice. So I can't say that there's one particular grower. I mean, the big, but really Barolo big ones. Is a category. Are, yeah, I'm with you. Just, now, where are you with Barbaresco versus Barolo? You like the bigness and the, the nuances. If I of go Barolo? for it, I want to go for the big style, the the, the tannin, the old-fashioned, the drier version of it. And okay, I buy yeah. that. For some reason, I guess I kind of moved away from Barolo, which I was drinking, and I've settled into more Barbaresco. I'm not saying, yeah. you know, I'm right, you're right, but, but it's just, I, I realize that I just, I enjoy the Barbarescos a little more, but I understand the Barolos. Yes. I know, I agree. Easier for, drinking. Uh, we have Long Island for, instead of Barbarescos, the reds, you know, so these elegant yeah. reds. So I don't need to venture there too much. If I do venture out, I go to the big guns there. <laughs> All right, it's your turn. Can what I are just, you can drinking? Can I just email you? No, you have to give me one or two wines. What am I drinking? What are you drinking now besides? I mean, I I would be like a liar. I mean, liar some people say beer. I well, I do like beer. My, I really, you know, between our spring in our bottle and our summer in a bottle, I kind of like go back and forth and our spring in bottle is non-alcoholic, which was this amazing idea that my brother brought to the table um, when he was taking a little break from drinking. Um, and I thought like, so I'm, that's sort of like after, after, after work, like refresher. So you're drinking your own stuff. You're drinking I do. some, I, not, I always drink that's our fine. own stuff. I mean, I, I really am a big fan of Sancerre, um, just because I love seafood. So I would like daytime Sancerre and some so clams. So when we walked in, you told me you made a vongolet last night. What'd you drink with that? The Summer to Bottle Cote de Provence. Okay. And everybody in our group drank okay. it. And they were not rosé drinkers, and they're all completely changed. They're like right. going straight to the store after. Let's end it right there. All right. This second question is kind of the goofiest, but it's fun. Favorite wine and food pairing. Not what you think is a good pairing. Like here's mm -hmm. classic, you know, burgers and whatever. What do you like? Uh, whenever I have to entertain, I do local striped bass and our pearl shot. And it's a match from heaven. How is the... Striped bass prepared. It's made because sometimes you have to pair it to the sauce, not the fish. Yeah, How it's is the it made? sauce. So the sauce is very simple. You you do some. You saute some onions and garlic, 
and then I put a lot of butter into it in butter. This is in a pan. In a pan, because otherwise it's too dry. Half a bottle of of the pearl chardonnay, which is you know the nice perfect chardonnay, and then fresh tomatoes, finely chopped on top, and and then some little. What's the leaves? Uh, Bailey? Uh, basil. 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 I'm blanking. Gives the, it a and then green the fresh freshness. basil. You put the lid on it, and when you open that lid, between the up. garlic, the thing, and it's all, and then the fish was first fried in this thing, so it has the fish already, meaning sautéed. Then the you juices. do the onions, and that smell is just and the pearl. It's so good. Is perfect because it's round it's, and it holds up. It's powerful. It's elegant. It is. It doesn't go on your it's nerves. It's not over too. over oaked or anything. So it's a, that's to me the classic go to. So we have a fishing boat. We go tuna fishing and striped bass fishing, fluke fishing. We make tacos. We make you know. So I'm always looking for a good recipe. I'll try that. Yeah, that's we do capers, one. butter, yeah. basil, yeah. all that. All right. Your favorite wine and food pairing. Okay. I, I, I had some time to think about it, thankfully. That's why so I'm making you go I second. I love skirt steak, and my kids love skirt steak. So we Me love too. a meal that we can eat together. Me too. And I think it's very easy to do because I, I put a little soy sauce. And it doesn't take garlic. forever to cook. No. And right. I are I think our sleeper hit is the Finca Red, which is our chilled red. So Finca, oh shit, we didn't talk about Argentina. We'll talk about That's that in okay. a second. So Finca Red is our Argentinian red, and, and it's, it's a blend. Yes, and it's a and it's a chilled red, and it's it delicious. says chilled on the label, yes. right? But wait, it's it's, it's, it's shipped it's, cold. It's no, con- no, it's concrete red. fermented, so that you you know you, it's not so overtanic. Chilled, yeah, yeah. it's so. Together, the combo is so good. And I like, I, to be honest, like I'm a more of a red wine drinker. I, I drink rosé, but I prefer red wine. And so I, it's like the perfect summer drink for me, red So for skirt me. steak and a red blend. I'm with you yeah. on that. All right. Third question. Favorite wine restaurant and our bar? I guess we should stay around this area or maybe Manhattan. And the setup is, where's a place you walk into? The wine list is great. The vibe is nice. The people are knowledgeable. You know, you could just sit down there. Is there any place that comes to mind? And by mentioning stuff and not mentioning others, you're not excluding anyone or prior to. What's a good example of that? I mean, I love Il Buco personally. Like Il it's Buco a, in the city. Yeah, me too. It's such a classic joint for me, me too. and I and think the good wine people there. It's real professionals, and it has heritage. You know, it also has that like it's been I around agree. forever. They know what they're talking about. They're not novice. They're they're not casual about their list. They're very and they're serious very about it. Yes, yes, and I think the that for me, and the food is, and it's always been amazing. For me, locally, it's the American Hotel in Zag Harbor. Big wine list, Killer the wine piano list. goes, and even in winter when it snows, you take your cross-country skis, march into town, and the usual suspects are there. So it's There's a fun, cool fun place. That. And in the city, I'm not enough. Aldo Somba, is always, you always meet somebody cool or some Austrian winemaker who knows. There's always something Aldo's happening. Aldo's a dear friend. He, uh, yep. He'll come out and go there because yeah, yep. he appreciates that. Um, so two things. We didn't mention Finca, which we'll catch up on. And we didn't mention, um, Roman brought it up, the estate has a restaurant, right? We are in, in Amagansett, yes, we have a restaurant. Right. I, I didn't 
the winery yes. has a restaurant, yes, not yes, at yes, the yes. winery, no, but no. Um, and it's called Kitchen. Wolfer Kitchen. Wolfer Kitchen. And I was curious, what happened during the pandemic? You had to shut down? Or? We shut down our Sag Harbor restaurant, but not our M against it. Okay. Our Sag Harbor restaurant, the space was not us. It just was very difficult. It didn't, and Small. there's a lot of there was a lot of competition. We're very close to the winery. We kind of thought, you know, what, we're not actually a restaurant business. We don't really want to be a restaurant business. It's important for us to have a place to celebrate our wines and also other wines. And the Amagansett spot is so us in in terms of the vibe and the location and all of that. And it's, and it's a, a different client, right? So it was. Yeah. So it's kind of. But it's is it more than a vanity project? It's oh, a it's successful a entity. Yes. I mean, as a business, it's very much absolutely so. and run by an incredible person. You know, again, like Eric. all these people own their their parts of the What's business. What's the and great. wine list? Is there a it's, He's created it's by Roman Roth. Seventy seventy percent long. Okay, seventy percent Long Island, and. Yep. So you pick the makers, you try to display... Out of the 70%, it's probably 85% Wolfer and 15% other wineries from Long Island. Oh, I'm just giving you the, yeah. the, the, yeah. the breakup. And then it uh, it used to be, in, well, in the past, it was all West Coast wines. It was West Coast versus Long Island. And the Sag Harbor one was Europe versus Long Island. Why but, compete with yourself? But now we're making yeah. the rest of the world yeah. versus yeah. versus Long yeah. Island. And, and the Long Island wines outsell by far. And, our, yeah. and the Wolf I think people are committed far. to coming in. And, and, well, they're and, coming there and they know why they're coming there. Yeah. You know, so they want but, to have yeah, that. And I think they know it's curated. Yeah. And, and it's the quality is there. But it's a shame Some not every restaurant sees that, that you could build a great regional food and wine energy that in the summer it's so busy everybody is busy and doesn't need any more customers but the other six right. seven eight you months we would be a real other. wine you know destiny if the wine if the restaurants would be more on par of celebrating and, and celebrating lo- creating yeah. better local more local cuisine and pairing it with local wines better and w- it's it nice be for us rich. too because we can't show off our foreign wines here because of our license, the farm so, really? license. yeah. Yep. So that so restaurant, we're able to to show off Great. the Provence and pair it with wines and the Vincas. All right, fourth question. The question is favorite all time wine. When I initially structured this question, and you know, this podcast has been going on over five years. My intention was, what's your favorite all time wine? What's the most expensive rare wine you ever had? The question's morphed away from that. The question is morphed towards what are the one or two wines in your lifetime that influenced you, that was a gateway, that changed the way you thought about it, that opened your eyes? You know, because if the original question is everyone is like a 43 Romani Conti or a 61 Petrus or something, what's that wine that had an effect on you? And I'm giving you a head start to think about it. So, well, or a couple of wines. There's many wines like this, and I still have them continuously going on. But one of the wines which has all of it is the 47 Petrus. I was fortunate in okay. the 56. So that's, I tasted 56 that vintages kinda... <laughs> of Petrus in a row. And the 47, I was just blown anything. away. It blew the way the 45. I mean, when the did you have it? This is now seven, eight years ago. It was, it, it was incredible. It seven was years. amazing. Was All right. So that's a trophy wine. Is there any other wine along the way that caught your attention? Yes, there was a, a Muscat Otonel that we found in a, in a, ventilation shaft when our winery in Germany was getting had to be painted for the 75 so year Muscat, anniversary Muscat Otonel spell Otonel O 
T T E N E L. Now is Otenel the maker? Oten- no, no, it's that's the it's the it's the variety. It's, the variety. It's, it's a musk. It's a, okay. a aromatic variety, which. So we, when you tasted yeah. it, well, the story was it. It finally somebody still remembered why there were six bottles in this hole in you know like a, a foot of dust on top of it. By the time we cleaned it, by when we found them, was. There was a little tank that somebody made a calculation error. This is in, in 76, the great, great Long Island, uh, German vintage. And the wine was over sulfured and somebody made a decimal mistake and they had to literally open all the <laughs> bottles to sulfur a huge, like 100,000 liter tank. That's a funny story. But somebody kept seven bottles and hit them and forgot or whatever. They were, we found them and we opened the bottle and it, after all these years, after th- th- almost 25 years, the sulfur had become normal. That's the way. It was just. It that's was the, the way you answer that question. No pressure on well, you. What's say, your answer? I was going to say right. this is kind of bullshit because we're talking with a winemaker who's got a couple of years it's on irrelevant. me. It's It's it's. No, it's I was going to ask him because we had this huge, huge bottle of wine for my. 40th birthday at a restaurant. Do you remember what that was? Because that was an incredible so wine. So what restaurant? And how, it was, was no, no, we brought it with ago. us. We brought it to Tutto okay. Giorno with us. What was it? It was, give He's me, gonna remember. it was a Bordeaux Chateau with G. Um, G- G- not a Chateau Chisco. It's not such a fancy wine. No. It was delicious. But it was an it older was wine? Oh, it, was it was old. It was, it was like 82. Oh, so that's a great vintage. It was a great vintage. It was, it's a good example that's my birth year. Hello. Was it a larger yeah. format? Yes. Yeah, it's a five liter. You five were born in 82? Six liter. Six, six liter. liter. It was huge. I was already working. Um, that's a good one. So 82 is your score for See? your birthday. It only took me like... A, what was it, a Magnum or no, a more? It was a, it was a, it was a I think. Oh, it was a, six, it was a six which, liter. Which ages really well. Yeah, it, it was, was awesome. fantastic. It, we, we all tried and we're like... Oh my god! It was oh, fruity. Fine. It was soft. Oh, it's it, fantastic! It, it well, in that format, it'll hold. Wasn't well. dusty. No, it, it was because a lot of the, you know we did inherit some wines from my dad, and so we'll open them. And we'll be really excited, and then they're very dusty and kind of done, unfortunately, and that happens. You gotta. Did he store them correctly? Medium. <laughs> Let's just <laughs> Put say on medium. The yeah. All right. Last question. Oh, so the question it's is so stressful. <laughs> the question is. Recommend to me the best wine around 15, 20, 22 bucks. Recommend a red and a white. Okay, that's the question. I'm going to revise the question because a lot of people I have on are Psalms, winemakers. So for you, if we stay in the Wolfer family and I'm looking for the value wines, I don't use the word cheap or inexpensive, I use the word value. If I could spend the least amount of money on your wines and get the best value, which you'll say is all your wines and you should, recommend a red and a white, both of you collectively on this one. I kind of think the Fincas are the best. Like, estate Selection Chardonnay yeah. is like... Yeah. Oh, that's uh, so popular too. Our estate yeah. Chardonnay, so it's Stainless the Wolfer Steel. Estate Chardonnay. Yep. What are we talking retail? $18. Okay. It is Perfect. just a dream. But what about this Finca, the Finca Rosé and we're the Finca talk White? About, that's a good segue into Finca. Because um, those are... Finca Rosé. Yeah. And for, for red would be the Cap Franc, because it, our classic red. Yeah. Is, but that's Not 24. the Kaya. No, no. That's, we make a gold label. Right. It's 24, though. That's so it's a little ballpark. bit above. But it's but a, it's but a best value for, for our reds. It gets the trickle-down so, effect from the top wines. So the... 
a state Chardonnay and the cop Frank under what? Gold label. Gold label. Okay. Now, quickly, Mark, your brother, um, found, bought, yeah. strolled into property in it was Argentina. Like, it was along with my dad because they, they were working on projects with my okay, dad. Okay. So he got exposed initially yeah. through your yeah. dad. That mm-hmm. caught his interest. Yep. And purchased property outside of Mendoza, the wine yeah, just, region. Yeah. And that's what's the name of it? Well, it's uh, we work with um, Dominia de Plata, so Susana okay. Balboa, to make these wines. Who's a great? His land amazing. is in Alto yeah. Agrello, and it's the yeah. most the most westerly vineyard of that Alto Agrello. Like you know, you have at the bottom, you have Catena. The yeah, old, yeah. The so my ones. oldest son yeah. worked for Catena oh, for wow. a year. Oh wow, what an experience! He went down a to year. be a seller at. She said to him. You're not leaving. You're helping me launch my social media, all oh, that. So he stayed for what a year. What an experience. They're and huge. And Laura's now a family friend. That's and really cool. And then he got the greatest experience. I'm sure. He thought he was in and out. You know, he's like, I'm Never happened. Do we need to business. hire your son? What's he doing he's now? He's too old. He oh. lives in L.A. He works for Snapchat. Oh. Um, I was going to say, we kind of need him. in September. So he's busy. Oh, he's busy. Um, okay. So Finca, you, you have property in Argentina. You are making what kind of wines there? We're making um, a white, a... Well, like Torontes or... Yeah. What no, no. no, it's a blend. I don't know. It's, it's a, blend? a blend, yeah. Of well, what grapes? It started off that we wanted to bring our elegant rosé to Argentina. At the time, there was all heavy rosés from Argentina. And we felt... We Why? Make, Were they Malbec based? It's all bleeding. Or? They're all Malbec based. Yeah. But yeah. They, they usually they made from bleeding to make their Malbecs better. So they're flabby, fat rosés. And we deliberately pick our fruit, and that was the start. And because we always use eight, seven, nine different grape varieties, and they make such beautiful Sauvignon Blanc and Torontes, obviously, but Pinot, Pinot, Chenin Blanc, Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris, which you never see here because nobody would, the distributors don't even want to buy these wines because everybody wants Malbec and maybe Torontes, yeah. you know? Wow, Chenin from uh, oh, Argentina? Fabulous, and it makes a great rosé, and then finally the yeah. red. Yeah, Joey's the, the Finca Red, my favorite. And then the Rosé, the Finca Rosé, which was to have an opening price point Rosé too for So us. you said earlier, if you come to Wolfer and you go into the store, you can't sell the Finca. No. So where and how is it available? I mean, it's like everywhere. Okay. They're, yeah, they sell it everywhere. And yeah. it's what's on the label for people to look at? It's a really cool shaped bottle. It's a different shape. No, no bottle. I know that. Yeah. But if they want to go... It says Finca Rosé and Finca so Red. Finca yeah. is the... Yeah, which is like Finca Wolfer. Finca Wolfer, okay. All right. Um, All right, so we answered the best wine around 15 bucks, two of your wines I asked for. All right, we're wrapping up. The last segment of the show um, is the weekly wine sip, where normally we sit with a winemaker and taste one wine. I think we're on our fifth wine, which is always (laughs) a lot of fun. So on purpose, we save for last to spend the most time to evaluate is... The Wolfer Summer in a Bottle, the beautiful flowered um, bottle. Um, Roman, we talked about this a little, but tell me a little more about it. This is a blend. Oh, I have a fresh glass. Yeah, I use that. It is 49% Grenache, which is one of the most. I love that. What's the uh, bottle vintage on this? 21 or 20? The vintage is 21, 2021. It is uh, 23% Shinso. Ooh. It, so Grenache, Shinso. 23.5% this is, Shinso. This is hardcore. Yes. It's serious. It has 18% Syrah, which is 
gave a bit more for the body, and then it has nine and a half percent vermentino or roll, which is the white. It's a fun aromatic. Vermentino grows well. Vermentino grows very well. So just to, you know, we've been talking about summer in a bottle that's made at Wolfer State. This is the summer in the bottle Cote de Provence. This is the new project. This is the first. Yeah. Vintage. Yep. All right. Let's, so I'm excited. I'm like nervous. Let's do an Get evaluation. Drum roll. So, yeah. Dun, 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 drum dun, dun, roll. Dun. So we're gonna we're gonna do the uh, the uh, I got a whole list. We're gonna do the uh, Grape Nation evaluation. So color, it's kind of the classic rosé, palish, copper pink. Yeah. You know, beautiful color, clarity, really nice, right? Very important to um, us. Um, it's not red. It's not dark. It's not funky. It's actually a beautiful color. All right. Now, Roman, I'm going to defer to you because I suck at this. Give me the uh, nose descriptors. Well, there's this lovely fine peach, very delicate aromas coming out, little floral notes, little, little hay, straw type of sort of dried, dried herbs, aromas, but just very elegant and, and soft. And it has this little, almost a creamy aroma coming as well, a little creaminess coming with it. I mean, not cheese, basically, but just this lovely, no, definitely fine, not cheesy, yeah, but, but just a fine, creamy character. So I'm not getting an overwhelming nose. I'm picking up some of that. I think maybe it's a little too chilly for me. I think if it's sat, mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. But everything you said, I, um, I agree with. It's a beautiful nose. I think if I was here longer, it would open up even more, and I would catch all of that. Um, the mouthfeel. This for a rosé is like a medium plus. It's a full mouthfeel. It's not thin. It's not unctuous. It's mouthfilling. Mineral-driven. Mineral-driven, and when you take the mouthfeel and carry it over to the palate, Give me palette descriptors. Do they reflect any of the um, nose? I mean, does what you described on the nose carry through here? Well, in here, it, in the mouthfeel, it goes more into the sea line and into this mineral and little acidity. It's quite a sort of, it keeps, it's always the has salinity a, is a, rich, yeah, salinity a richness is that keeps cleansing it's, your it's, mouth. It's saline, mouth-watering, richness. Chalky feeling, but all in balance. And that's what's so nice. And it has this cleansing feeling you almost want to have a, either a bite of food or a, another sip of wine because it's not overwhelming it's, I, I call it poking if something is it, it, you know it's not poking you which goes on your nerves it's just sort of it's a wine pure. you can keep drinking too it's not a like sort of i have one glass this is and, good with a vongole mm. see Back see to what the i'm vongole. saying and i think there's like a kind of effervescence to it and it's not like bubbly at all in well, your mouth that's but there's the acidity, some, yeah, but in a nice I, way though i didn't pick up on that but it's kind of there in the background which yeah. makes it food friendly i yeah. go back to why we chose this to make this wine with chevron villets because we didn't move it. A lot of wines get moved for blending, moved for bottling. Every time you move your wine, you lose your fermentation characters. So you can adjust at bottling with CO2. You can sparge the wine before the bottling. So it gets CO2, but that's just CO2. It's not your fermentation character. And that's, the I think, the difference to this wine, which why it is so balanced and so elegant, because it, had kept, it keeps, it retained 
those original fermentation it's, characters. It's terrific. I mean, it's really a... It's a winner. A provincial also, rose. by the way, it goes over three optical sorters. Every grape goes over an optical sorter about? machine. I'm learning. Which is where I ev- saw the machines. The machines are insane. Machines are, in, I mean, they're insane. Oh, you mean in France? Yes, in France, you pe- have no idea. Maybe screaming eagle, like a thousand dollar wine goes over optical sorting machines. You know, if there's one little rotten berry or a stem, it gets. So shot this out has the air. optical screening. And he all. has optical everything, sorters. cutting edge of it's, every technology there is. You're lucky that class. that's the guy you're with. I yeah. mean, he's well, really we, his attention to detail and his commitment. It's such a juxtaposition to who he is, too, because he's yeah. like a real classic, like, you know. He's a rugby a, player. Yeah, he, he doesn't, like, come to he doesn't look like what you, but he is a perfectionist. He like, doesn't um, want to go to Saint Tropez. He hates Saint Tropez. He stays yeah, there. In Europe, you'll get a lot of that. I love it. All right. So, a couple things in wrapping up on the wine. What's I'm going to go to you first, and then you think about a classic pairing for this. For this, well, we know what mine is. Lobster is yeah. a, a classic lobster. one. I think oysters. You know what goes well with lobster? Everything. 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 Yeah. I, so shell, lobster. Any shellfish. Can, this would be a home run to have a nice lobster yeah. and this, a glass, and all that. It's shellfish. Shellfish. It's just fun. You know what? I I can't say vongole again because we've talked about it too many times. No, but you can say vongole is one of them. Okay, but grilled shrimp. Like I, this with a great grilled it's shrimp with a little bit of cilantro, for the char yeah. exactly. and the herbs and all. Of I'm that. actually quite a good cook. All right. I'm going to tell you last. That, so. <laughs> you are. Yeah. She burns a good chicken. I heard. Ah, yeah. uh, so <laughs> burns um, a good chicken. <laughs> just tell me, because we, I like both. I love yes. both. But and I want to drink both. So to my listeners, tell me the difference. Why would I pick up the Summer in a Bottle, Wolfer Estate, Long Island, this? One of the concepts we laughed about going, why we had the guts to go for this, because exactly this question. Every time when I hear this question, it's it's a dream come true. We're basically debating, oh, I should I buy... the shit out I know. Of no. He was excited. No, should I buy the Wolf? Yeah. Should I buy the Long Island version or the Provence well, one? No, what a I great... want to buy both at different times. Well, yeah. why this, this time and this... I find... But Long Island, obviously, the pride of New York. I'm yeah. very proud that we are a New York winery, that we have made it in New York. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Yeah, you, so you, we are you really living this that. thing. <laughs> and in any case, so the Long Island versions captures our climate. It's a bit, a little bit more forward, a little bit more bolder, maybe a little bit more New Yorker. You know. The French one is so more forward refined. And boldness yeah, is a little, little bit, still balanced, but yeah, forward and, not in a bad way. Yeah. While the but friend, some people the fr- like that style, so well, they would defer to that. It's also easier to recognize. It's sort of a little bit, you know, you can have a blind nose, you get it. You know, that it's that little bit of Gewürztraminer. You, like you, it's, you know what it is. You can understand the wine. And this one is more elegant, more sophisticated, a little bit more classy. So it's more traditional maybe from a Provence point of view. Uh, so they're, they're different, but both are elegant. Sorry. So each no, of them, each of them yeah. have a place. For food, for you know what the situation is, and all. I don't think it's an either or. I think it's like no, no, you, no. it's what your kind of moment. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the nice thing. You have not, kind of that option. It was a huge again another risk in doing this because we knew that that would be a thing, and we weren't looking for people to say I prefer this or that. It's a good right. debate. And I it's didn't a good set the question up for that. I just want people to know there's two great choices available. So that's 2021 Summer in a Bottle Côte de Provence, and the current vintage of the Summer in the Bottle Wolfers 2021. 21. Yeah. We're always okay. current, and yeah. All right, guys, we got to wrap up. up. Um, Joey, you're starting to get fidgety, so I got to get you. Out you of know here. about my ADD. I'm an Aries. Well, both of us. I'm a cancer. Um, 
All right, so let me do a quick wrap-up, and I want some uh, info from you guys. So if you have a question, suggestion, wine happening, or event, hit me up at sam at thegrapenation.com. That's sam at thegrapenation.com. Subscribe to the Grape Nation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. If you subscribe, it's delivered to you automatically. You don't have to go look for it, so please subscribe. Um, Follow us on Facebook. At the Grape Nation on Instagram, a little trickier. We're at S Ben Ruby on Instagram and on Twitter we're at Ben Ruby. But you can always use the hashtag the Grape Nation to find us. Um, as I mentioned, we'll post Joey and Roman's wine list. I will post that on social media towards the uh, beginning of next week. And I will post our weekly wine sip selections. I may have to email you to remind me all the stuff that we drank. So we're looking at two, four, six, seven bottles. We probably had five of them, maybe all of them. I don't know. This and guy the cider. And the cider, right. Um, so if we want to follow you guys on social media, there's two things. There's personal and there's the business. Let's start with the business. If I, this all sounds intriguing to me, I want to go online. I want to join the wine club. I want to order wines. Where's it's available? Where do we go? Wolfer.com. And that'll show me Wolfer, Finca. Everything where you can buy everything. We can talk about Mallorca, Spain, which is a small little yep. plot. All that stuff yep. is there. Mm. The wines are all listed and yes. everything. Yep. Okay. So that's where to go. Um, on social media. At Wolfer wine at wolf or wine and then if we want to see what you're doing joey at joey wolfer w don't forget w-o-l-f-f-e-r and roman roman roth roth roman roth roman, roth 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 roman. roman. yes just, see just, i agree just it's look a, just look who won the governor's cup bro yeah. <laughs> governor's cup this the guy. Go- Governor's Cup of what? Of the New York Wine and Gra- Food Found. Gra- New York oh, wine, I didn't know the that. New York he wine won it last classic. night for the dessert last wine. Last night. Last night. Big wait, winner. wait, let's talk about that for a second. So the governor's... I said it. Nobody listened. You did say it. And I'm you not... You didn't listen. No, I heard it. I, I heard it. Was that during the show or before? <laughs> yes, during the so show. So I heard... So wait, the Governor's Cup is a wine competition? Well, there's the New York Food and Wine Classic and the... the so they two. do different categories? Yep. And so the, is there like a dessert wine category? Red yep, wine, white red wine? Red wine, white wine. Okay. And then so did you enter in multiple categories? Well, yes, we entered... Eight, eight or nine wines, I think. Okay. Several so gold the medals. dessert wine is called what? The dessert wine is Diosa, which is a horse spell. Go- goddess D I O S A. And it is what? Semillon or? No, it's a Chardonnay, a little bit of Sauvignon Blanc, and a tiny bit of Vignol. Nice. Yeah, it's a beautiful, it's, amazing yeah. balance. What, what vintage was that? 2000. 20, 2020. What is 2000. going on with you today? I'm throwing my decades around. <laughs> I just dropped All right, so congratulations to uh, Roman on yeah, that. Yeah, presented by Hoquel herself, and which also, was pretty cool. please come by Wolfer Estate. Um, there's a tasting room. You can eat here. There's Kitchen, the restaurant in Amagansett. Yeah, Wolfer Kitchen. Wolfer Kitchen. wine stand. All right, guys, yeah. we got to wrap up. I told you that we'd spend a lot of time. It would go quickly, but we logged a lot of time, so... Um, Thank you to our guests, Joey Wolfer. Thank you to Roman Roth. Um, thank, thank you to our engineer, Kevin, and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. The Grape Nation is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. 
food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. 